Hello, I'm Somi Aryan. I'm a TED philosopher and the founder of Impeak. My guest on today's podcast is Matt Medved, the co-founder, CEO, and editor-in-chief of NFT Now, an award-winning Web3 media platform building the future of tokenized media. It turns out that Matt and I also have some common backgrounds in music and several other areas. This was a fantastic conversation on many aspects of tokenized media, which I'm sure you will enjoy, especially if this topic interests you. I was just saying that I, I came to uh, NFT NYC. It's a shame we didn't get uh, to meet in person there. Uh, and it was, um, yeah, just New York was not quite the same. Um, but what's your assessment these days of, of what's happening in, in the, at least in the NFT scene? Because I, I wasn't there for NFT NYC last year, but a lot of people who were there, they were telling me that it's really shrunk that it was like much smaller. So, so well, as somebody who runs um, a, a project or a company called mm -hmm. a web, uh, you know, NFT now. <laughs> so what, what, what's your assessment? Yeah. Look, right now, NFTs and digital assets are, are very much tied to the crypto markets. And as we know, the crypto markets are very cyclical, right? Mm -hmm. um, this past uh, bull run that we saw from like 2020 to 2021, that was actually the, my third crypto cycle. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've definitely not, not my first rodeo and, and I understand how these things work. It's like, Usually when like the, the, the mainstream attention and the media coverage and the like biggest crowds are happening is usually towards the, the, the top of that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you have to go in, it's all boom and bust. And then you go into kind of the bear market uh, where like where the, where the noise kind of recedes, the crowds recede a bit. But what you have is the core which continues to grow of true believers and people who really believe in the future of the space and are here for you know, the right reasons in terms of wanting to build and, and the like. And so it was interesting because, like you said, NFT NYC felt a little quieter this year, certainly. But a lot of people uh, that, that I spoke to told me they actually preferred it because they were able to get more in-depth, real connections. You know, we had our flagship event for NFT Now. We do the NFT 100. Um, this was the second annual NFT 100 where we recognized um, uh, 100 of the leading, uh, in, like most influential creators and also leading community figures in the space. Um, and we host that, uh, each year at the rainbow room, uh, in Rockefeller center. Um, if I'd known you were in town, I would have extended an invite. We'll have, you'll have to come to the next one. Um, but it's a really special, it was a really, really special evening and it's a really, really special gathering. And what was interesting is, you know, um, while it was still a, a, a great event, you know, people spoke to me afterwards. They said, actually, Matt, like we kind of preferred this year to last year. And I was like, really? You know, they're like, yeah, they're like last year, you know, felt like there were a lot of people who were there to be seen, you know, which is, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's part of that's part of galas and big events and stuff like that. But they're like, but this year it felt like it was even more of like a deeper community tie. And like, you know, the people I was speaking to, like, I really bonded with. And like, you know, I got to meet a lot of people who I had not met before. And, and I was like, look, you know, that's something that I think we're seeing at like a macro level is that, um, you know, the people who are still here, the people who are showing up every day during a bear market are the are usually the ones doing the coolest shit, for the for yeah. last, a better way to say it, right? Like those are the people who really are thinking about innovation, who aren't letting like the ups and downs of the market cycle cloud their vision. They're not, you know, in it for the shiny objects and the short-term grabs, but they're, these are the people who are, who are actually building the future. And what's funny is if you, if you look traditionally at the past few crypto cycles, um, 
the the biggest technological breakthroughs and innovations and developments that have kind of dictated the bull markets were were often developed during the bears. So like, you know, like all of the infrastructure and frameworks we're seeing around, like the marketplaces that we saw really lead the charge with the NFT space, like OpenSea and Nifty Gateway at the beginning, like, you know, those were built during the bear market. Um, DeFi was created during the bear market, like, you know, like those, those protocols. And like, so right now is actually... Uh, it's funny because it's like right now is actually a great time to be showing up and paying attention and being and like well-versing yourself in the space. And that's something I learned from from navigating these cycles. And so, um, you know, it, so it, it you know what, like quieter doesn't always mean worse. And so I think we saw that on uh, on on display, uh, certainly at, at NFT NYC, um, where we, we had the NFT 100. And we also had our now pass community event, you know, the now pass. I'm sure we'll chat more about that. But that's yeah. our. Uh, that's the that's the uh, our access pass to the NFT Now ecosystem, and what was really special there was bringing together a ton of people who we only knew via Discord, via Twitter, via etc. And um, and the energy was great, and the vibes were on point. And like that's another thing too is like one of the things I kept hearing from people after leaving NFT NYC was that the vibes in person, like the IRL, it's all like great energy and excitement and like conviction in the the space and what we're building and and uh and then you go to twitter and it's all like doom and gloom bear market like the you know market's down or all this and and it, there's a funny disconnect there because um you know when you're in the space day to day you get to speak to amazing artists you get to speak to amazing builders you get to feel that energy every day and day out i, I don't take that for granted i think i'm very lucky in that regard and so um, what we are often trying to do with NFT now is find ways to bring the greater public and the, and the masses into that and help them understand like this is the future. Digital ownership is not going anywhere. And yeah. uh, while it may not be as popular to talk about NFTs right now, uh, they are going to fundamentally shape and redefine how creators in their communities create and share value together. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's interesting. You said that NFTs are currently still um, pegged to you know map to is that the word that you use yeah uh, they're to, tied to, i think it's a tied, tied to, to yeah, yeah to, to the uh, yeah. yeah to the crypto market um so that means that you think that in the future they will not be is that what you're thinking that eventually it will separate because well, in, in some yeah. ways when you look at it you could say that the nft a community is the degen of the degens. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, I, you know, I I think that it's going to take time, but the answer to that I think is yes. I think what we're going to see is the markets mature, and what we're going to see is a lot of like micro economies of scale start to rise. And what we're going to see is one thing I've I've been saying for a bit now is that one of the ways I know that one of the reasons I know that we're still early is that people tend to think about NFTs as a category mm -hmm. rather than a new medium that transcends every category. And what's interesting is we saw, obviously, over the last bull run, we saw the, you know, uh, use cases like digital art and digital collectibles drive a lot of mainstream attention, market volume, obviously, like, you know, those, those eye-popping headlines, like $69 million sales and things like that. But they're really just scratching the, the surface of the potential use cases for this tech. I'm looking at a lot of really exciting use cases, such as NFTs and, and tokenization of media uh, in the media space, in uh, in the TV film space, uh, literary NFTs, like poets, uh, poetry mm -hmm. NFTs. Our poets are, are starting to finally build a collector base, which is really exciting in the same way as that empowered digital artists. Um, I'm looking at um, also more mundane use cases for this technology, like 
government documents and like titles to your car or to your home or health records and the like. And so like the, the th one thing that's really clear to me is that because like we're, we're, it's still so nascent, the market penetration is still so small. We tend to lump all these things together when like, you know, a piece of art is quite different from a membership pass. In our case, our membership passes are also pieces of art, but that doesn't always have to be the case, right? Mm -hmm. And people tend to sometimes expect they bring the same consumer and they, they almost expect the same consumer and creative priorities in each of these different categories, which like if we think about it in the IRL world, right? The the pre-Web3, all that, that would be ridiculous, right? Like the person who is going to buy uh, a fine art piece is not the same person who is going to buy a Soho House membership, is not the same person necessarily who is, you know, uh, collecting uh, rare baseball cards or, or the like. And so like, you know, there's different creative and consumer priorities at play here. Um, it's just so early that we're, there, we're, a lot of people are painting them with a broad brush. And so as we mature, as we go forward, we're going to start to see these different categories have their own economies and markets, just like they are in, in the, in the, uh, in the pre-Web3 world. So for example, like, you know, it, no one ever says like, oh, like lifestyle is down, right? It's like, you don't even necessarily say like fashion is down, right? You'll yeah. be like, oh, like, you know, Gucci's doing great uh you know bugattis blah 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 like you know you can break it down further and that is actually like you know that i think is um where we're headed where all these different categories digital fashion by the way is one that, that i didn't mention but i think is going to be absolutely uh, super exciting to watch blockchain gaming the game fi all of that these are all massive massive industries the fashion industry is what 1.7 trillion gaming is absolutely massive like these economies are going to start to stand on their own in the digital space. And it's going to become inaccurate to say like, oh, NFTs are down today or like, mm -hmm. oh, like, you know, but that's going to take time. That's going to yeah. take time. We're, we're still very early. Yeah, I agree. And um, I think there will come a time, especially with everything that's happening with AI right now. Um, I think people are going to need to find a new way of finding meaning um, and and I think that digital ownership is something that is going to uh, contribute to help help that kind of create a new way of um, people finding meaning. And, you know, digital ownership and and developing ways for um, owning digital assets. Um, I think that that's something that is going to be increasingly part of how uh, we redefine. Um, the way that we find meaning and purpose um is uh, do you have any thoughts on that have you have you had any observation on what's happening in the ai space and any yeah. relation to nfts yeah i mean i i i'm continually inspired and fascinated by what's happening in ai um actually just today this is this little alpha just some today uh nft now published its first twitter thread entirely written by uh gpt4 uh based on one of our one of our, our writers articles um and we're going to be continuing to like really expand into like ai uh you know automated automation of like content processes and generated content and like to me, it, it, it's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not, people need to worry about AI stealing their jobs. It's it's humans who know how to use AI, uh, I think. And, you know, for, for me, though, I actually don't think I'm, I'm very much an optimist when it comes to it, because uh, I see it as a new creative tool and a new way to like, automate things that otherwise, you know, didn't necessarily require a lot of creativity or, or a lot of like, you know, it was quite tedious and the like, and allow 
creatives and and storytellers to focus on the more important elements of that. So I'm actually really excited about how it's playing into this. It's going to be really interesting to see the intersection of it in Web3. We're already starting to see it. Um, mm -hmm. There's actually an amazing uh, artist named Claire Silver, um, yeah. who's uh, kind of at the forefront there. We had her on the NFT Now podcast last yeah. year. And she actually really opened our eyes to the power and possibility of AI when she told us that in her eyes, AI is a camera for your imagination. And that really resonated with me um, because, uh, you know, when when uh, when when photography was invented, there was a whole outcry and, you know, the artist community that like painters were going to be rendered obsolete and like and, and artists were going to be replaced. And that's not what happened. Right. You, you don't like a, a photograph is, is quite different from a painting and we judge them quite differently in our society. And there's room for both. Right. And so um, I, I'm actually really excited to see, um, you know, the intersection of uh, AI storytelling, IP and and digital ownership, because uh, to me, like one thing that's really clear is we are all part of the last generation to grow up without digital ownership from day one. And so yeah. future generations are going to grow up owning things digitally, owning things physically, and they're not going to have the same hangups as we do. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to be talking about right click save. They're not going to be like, how do I hang this on my wall? They're not going to, um, they're going to accept these things for their own unique strengths and appeals. And we're already seeing that with the younger generations, with Gen Z, right? With, with Roblox, with Fortnite, like they already get it. They get it better than, than most do. Um, but like where we're going is clear. Digital ownership is, is going to become, uh, a cultural constant and i think that but like the 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 uh the ways in which ai gets uh gets kind of like threaded into everyday life and and our work processes and our life processes it's gonna is is, is also gonna gonna follow a similar trajectory um where like we're gonna you know we're gonna be, you know it's gonna at some point it's gonna be hard to imagine a time before we had AI and digital assistance. And so uh, things move really quickly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's quite a lot of worry about it right now, but I think a lot of it stems from thinking of it in the sense of scarcity, uh, whereas we could think of it in terms of, you know, uh, the abundance that it can, it can create and we can create entirely new, um, uh, you know, industries. Um, but on the other hand, there are some some real uh, concerns, you know. I, I, before I got into blockchain, I wrote about AI and and I talked about AI uh, in conferences all around the world. You know, in 2019, I um, wrote, wrote a book about the future of work, and it was all about AI. So I was like working on AI way before you know started talking to uh, talking about um, blockchain in, in uh, as depth. Um, but then at that time, people were, were less interested in it and now it's all come back and now everybody's interested in it. I think that there are a lot of opportunities here, uh, but we don't want this podcast to be entirely about AI. So, so tell me a little bit about your background. So, so you worked in NGOs uh, before, uh, I also worked in NGOs, which NGOs did you work in and work in? Oh, I love that. Yeah. So I, I worked for an NGO called search for common ground. No. Um, they are a global conflict resolution and peace building NGO, um, I think based out of DC and Brussels, but they work in more than like 30, 35 countries. Um, and uh, yeah, I was actually working uh, for Search for Common Ground in Nigeria. I was living in Jos, mm -hmm. uh, where the Muslim North meets the Christian South. And I was doing research into uh, security sector human rights abuse. 
So interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've worked for United Nations. Um, oh, no way. Yeah. And, and also for an uh, international organization for um, mi migration. And we were um, helping at the time when there was the Afghanistan first pres presidential election. We were helping um, them with kind of getting their head around the idea of voting and democracy, which was really ironic because I come from Iran and, and Iran is a, is a, a dictatorship. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and, you know, and I was working for uh, United Nations, you know, trying to um, help these guys with uh, a democracy. And I was like, <laughs> just the irony of that, you know, was not lost, lost on me. But um, OK, so, so how did you find your, your way from NGOs into the NFT space? It's a great question. I, I always say the um, the best career paths are nonlinear, and uh, mine mine certainly qualifies. Um, long story short, so um, you know, I I uh, so I I had studied journalism at Northwestern. Um, I was doing back to back uh, law and master's degrees at George Washington University, focused on international law, international conflict resolution, international human rights, um, and. Uh, that that whole time as well, I've I've always been uh, very much uh, like it, it like a uh, focus on like the music space. Like I was in bands growing up. Uh, I started DJing in college, and so I was writing for a, a lot of uh, like music publications and blogs on the side for fun, you know. And uh, everything kind of came to a head my final year uh, in in 2013. Uh, when uh, I was I was finishing up my last semester at uh, George Washington uh, with back-to-back -back exchange programs, and I was in Milan at Bocconi for the uh, for the law side, and then I was in Berlin at Freie Universität for for the masters. And uh, it was very cold in Italy. I don't speak very great, and my Italian's not so great. So I was spending a lot of time online, and I and I was on Reddit, and I stumbled upon this thing called Bitcoin, and uh, read the white paper thought it was really fascinating, sent it to all my friends. I was like, this is the future of finance, bought a couple. And then two days later, it like all crashed. I bought the exact top of the market, you know, um, but uh, but I held on to them because I I believed in the promise of the technology. Uh, and I and I thought it was really interesting. A um, little bit of foreshadowing. Right. So then during my time in Berlin, um, I actually uh, like, you know, I'd been writing about about dance, electronic music. And uh, it actually attacked it, it, it attracted the attention of Billboard. Uh, and so Billboard, you know, the uh, massive, obviously, music publication, um, they reached out and uh, I started contributing to Billboard, writing about dance and electronic music, started covering a lot of uh, the big festivals in Europe. And I saw this like open lane because dance electronic music was disrupting, like, you know, just it was it was taking over America. It obviously been huge in Europe and South America for a long time. But like this wave was really big. And so um, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go start Billboard Dance, and so I got I got my degrees in the mail. Never took the bar. Um, went went to uh, moved to New York and uh, founded Billboard Dance. Joined Billboard full time in in 2015. Uh, built that into pretty much the leader in the space uh, for uh, you know certainly for North America in terms of dance electronic music media. And what's interesting is the peak years at Billboard Dance coincided with the next bull run. And so from 26 so so 2016 2018. All of a sudden, you know, crypto is back in in people's attention. People are talking about it. My friends are 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 showing me Ethereum and all that, and I realized I was the only person at Billboard who owned crypto or understood it at all. So I started doing some coverage around the intersection of music and blockchain because I thought that was really interesting. And a lot of the artists that were really pushing the space forward 
were good friends of mine. Uh, artists like Blau, RAC, uh, Miha, and, and others who were like really active in the crypto space. And so um, I started doing a lot of coverage there with music and blockchain. Uh, I, I advised on a project uh, for Blau on like a, on a tokenized like music festival. Um, I did a bunch of panels with RAC at uh, South by, did, spoke at Consensus Ethereal. I was really focused on like, how can this technology empower like a better uh, uh, empower musicians and power a better music model, you know, because I was really thinking about it as the music industry fr uh, uh, framework. And what's funny is it, I think NFTs were kind of the missing puzzle piece there. And so um, fast forward a little bit after, after Billboard, I ran Spin Magazine as editor in chief. Um, I exited with the sale of Spin at the top of 2020. Uh, and then, um, you know, COVID hit. I was spending an inordinate amount of time on Clubhouse uh, while, uh, while while also running content at Modern Luxury, the lifestyle publisher, when uh, when Blau actually was the one to pull me down the NFT rabbit hole in like fall 2020. And it all kind of clicked for me because I was like, this is a technology I've believed in for a very long time, finally disrupting the fields I'm actually passionate about, like art and music and culture, because I'm not a finance guy at the end of the day. Um, and critically, there's the potential for this technology to empower artists and to empower creators who have long been uh, disenfranchised, um, marginalized, exploited, taken advantage of in traditional industry hierarchies and the like, whether it's the traditional art world, whether it's the music industry, whatever, wherever you go. And I became obsessed with, with this, with this world. And I was ravenous trying to learn as much as I could. And, um, what I found was there was a lack of really credible resources. Um, a lot of, at that time, you know, end of 2020, we were looking to, to share resources about NFTs because just like the Bitcoin white paper, I was trying to share it with everyone. I was like, this is going to change everything, you know? And a lot of what I was finding were like NFT platforms who were just writing content as a means of like kind of promoting their own drops and that. And then there were like a lot of talking head influencers on Twitter who were like more interested in shilling their own bags than like than like pushing things forward. And I was like, there's a clear need in this space for an independent, credible publication that is also Web3 native and applying all of these amazing uh, develop technological developments and potential around around community centric models in the media in the media landscape. And so I was like, how do we pioneer a new, a new music, uh, excuse me, how do we pioneer a new media model um, employing Web3? And so, um, you know, it all came together. Uh, I, I, you know, co-founded uh, NFT Now um, with, uh, with my co-founders, Alejandro and Sam. Uh, we, started, we started the accounts in January of 2021. Um, we all made the full-time jump in June of 2021. And uh, it's been a very wild ride since. Amazing. That's such a great story. We have so much in common. I used to also be, well, um, not writing about music, but I was in a death metal band. <laughs> no way. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I also... definitely went through my death metal phase. Like, yo, I, I love did. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I was in a death metal band. I was, um, I did, we did really well. We played to, you know, in festivals to 2000 people. And I love that. You know, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And I also um, have, uh, two masters in political science and philosophy of science and technology and you know so we have got there's quite a lot a lot of overlap there so if, uh you know politics and and yeah. international you are international law and music yeah so so it, it's it, it all makes sense and um it, it makes sense why you're interested in this and um 
uh, I think there is quite a lot of interesting uh, things that can be done with uh, with this digital ownership uh, for artists. Um, you know, there is a, a new artist that I've discovered that I'm just obsessed with this guy. You you have to check him out. His name is Ren. Uh, just go and uh, go to YouTube and put in Hi Ren. And, Hi Ren. Yeah. And oh my God. I mean, you know what? What we should do? Maybe let's do it. Don't don't check it out. Let's okay. uh, maybe maybe at the end of this podcast, if we have uh, time, maybe we could do it. So basically, there are a lot of uh, videos uh, of people reacting to high rent and, oh, and, and, and they're uh, like uh, people who are seeing it for the first time. And I would love to maybe let's do that together. Um, Down, see if yeah, we have that, right? Like that could be so oh, much fun because, 100%. oh my God, like the first time when I, when I watched Ren, the first time I was like, what is this? Like, I, I didn't quite, un, uh, you know, like I, I hit in the middle of the song to somehow uh, randomly uh, YouTube showed, showed it to me. And then uh, I started watching the thing from the beginning and I was like, like this, like, like, honestly, like that, the, that's why there's so many reactions to, to this song, to this song and to this musician. And there's so many things he talks about that are the, the daily struggles of a creator uh, that not just about a musician, but just any creator, um, you know, that imposter syndrome, that the things that, uh, you know, that the industry being cutthroat and uh, like the, I have never seen an artist talk about um, uh, the, the, the struggles of a creator so candidly the way that he talks about and then every time i look at it i'm like oh man i wish somebody would tell this guy about nfts like like he would kill it you know like like yeah. you know like he he would he would just like he would never need uh any um record label he would never like he's gonna kill it i mean this guy is so so incredibly talented you know and i just think that just we need to just unleash this technology for those uh, creators, you know? And I just think that it it's going to unlock. I mean, you're talking about being worried about AI. Like there's so many other things that are holding people back, uh, you know, that, that um, you know, like uh, the, uh, the struggles uh, of, you know, trying to get picked by a record label, you know, like uh, the, the, to be able to make a living as a musician, to make a living as a as an artist, as a creator. This technology, it opens up that whole space. Of course, it's got its own uh, issues. You know, there are lots of things that we need to still figure out. You know, there is a um, problem, for example, now with recurring revenue. How do you create recurring revenue? You know, there's, mm -hmm. and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, actually, with the, a whole uh, conversation around royalties. I think royalties was never a, a great model anyway, you know, yeah. because you're basically benefiting from people leaving your community so we need to figure out a way so what i've been recently thinking a lot about is that you know how in web 2 let's say you buy uh, a service let's let's say you buy adobe and they give give you uh, a month free and then after that or they give you um, a month free plus three months you know cheaper and then over time they, it keeps increasing and it, they make it more expensive what if it was what if nfts enabled us to have a different model where you would buy the thing and then after that you would pay a very small amount to maintain it right so mm -hmm. so it's like a reverse membership 
right? Like, um, you know, that it makes sense more for that. So like, if you have this NFT, we are going to test test this out. So for example, if you have our Genesis uh, pass, you can create your own channel on, on our platform. And then eventually when there is a payment, because eventually we need to be able to, it costs us quite a lot to run that, but then the Genesis holders will get a really steep discount, you know? So because they have that, that uh, pass, they will get a dis steep discount in maintaining that service, right? So, so yeah, so would love to hear your thoughts on what are some of the ways that you see we can innovate in this space um, to be able to create recurring revenues for creators, uh, for, for artists, without having to rely on this weird royalty model that, that is there right now? Yeah, I'll say this, you know, as you know, and at now, our mission is to empower the creators of culture and to bring this technology from niche to mainstream. So we've always sided with the creators on the royalty debate. You know, we do believe that like that royalties were a great feature and it still are a great feature for artists and for creators to share in the value of of their works in perpetuity. Uh, unfortunately, they can't be enforced, you know, uh, at a con at a at a at a contract level. Um, and so, what it what you find is that uh, it really has to be uh, almost like a cultural choice, and 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 it almost like an opt in choice. And so, what we are seeing is like certain ecosystems and marketplaces that exist where those royalties are are enforced. Like you know, the ten percent on super rare has been a mainstay of crypto art for a long time. Yes, someone can go sell that on that that token. Uh, on you know OpenSea now or 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 Blur without uh without respecting the royalties, but artists or and collect collectors in that space kind of pride themselves on being a part of that culture and on respecting that. And so I do think that for niche markets in certain areas, royalties will still exist and make sense for artists. The one thing is like it's we just can't like it like the developments over the past few months have showed that like both artists and creators of projects can't rely on the royalty stream as, as like their chief revenue. Um, and, and that, and that opens up, you know, that makes it a little less straightforward because during the bull market, for example, uh, many of these community-based project product projects, some of them being the PFPs and the like, were raking in a ton of revenue from the royalties. Right. Um, and so it became a, a very, you know, like the, the, the value prop was, it was a little more straightforward in terms of like, get your floor price up, get, get, get sales volume up by generating excitement, by creating value. And then you get to share in that value that you create because you have a piece of it. Now it's a little bit more of a complex market dynamic to navigate, right? And so the best projects I'm seeing are the ones that are not relying on royalties uh, to be their chief revenue stream, because that is no longer reliable, right? And so what we, what's interesting is we're seeing a lot of projects start to expand um you know their purviews start to pursue new like new revenue streams and there's a bit of a disconnect between this revenue stream driving value back to those original holders right like we've seen this with a few uh projects where like certain i like moves with ip and like and licensing and things like that that actually have a ton of potential to drive revenue to the company don't necessarily serve the interests of those who are thinking more short term in terms of like, what's the floor price, right? And so I think that a lot of projects are going to need to move past that kind of thinking. Um, one thing I think that's interesting, though, too, is that there are ways to actually do like what you were saying, um, where you can own an NFT that represents your membership, and then 
you can do uh, like almost like subscription micropayments attached to it. That exists, you know, those that technology capability exists and it can, and I, and I see more development in it, like as we go um, where I do think that there's going to be models where by owning an NFT, you can then continue to renew and opt in on a right on the regular. Um, and, and as long as you're continuing to create value for that community, it's almost like, like a web three version of the subscription model and uh, definitely something that, that we're looking at and, 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 uh, you know, are cognizant of it. And I think that like one of the things that, that we're seeing is that, um, so much of the web two space was built on monetizing around engagement and like these big spikes in attention, right? Um, and what what people were neglecting was retention. And I think retention is the real name of the game in Web3. Uh, like what we're doing, when I think about what we're doing and, uh, you know, the, the community we're building around the now pass for the now network, it's like, we want to super serve a community. Like we really believe that, for example, uh, media companies shouldn't be serving uh, you advertisements, they should be serving you opportunities. And we think about the amazing network that we have at our finger trips, some of the leading artists in the space, some incredible brands and builders and the like, there's no shortage of incredible partnership opportunities and the like that, that, that we can help facilitate and, and, you know, provide value in that way. And so it's about really changing, at least in the media, like sense, it's also about changing, you know, the expectations around like the discourse and the, the almost dynamics of, of the relationship that have existed for a long time. Um, I always say like web two is all about audience. Web three is all about community. And what does that mean? Like web two was all about building audience as a means to an end to monetize indirectly as a middleman for brands. And we saw that with programmatic advertisement, which we we're, we're hoping to leave that in web two when it comes to media we, we don't use it on nft now and we actually believe it's it's led to misaligned incentives and this whole clickbait race to the bottom that has really plagued the media space and we've also seen this audience model uh with uh in web two with like individual creators doing brand partnerships based on like the, the followings they've built on social media you know the influencer model um but that's a likes and comments economy. And now we have a digital asset economy. And so to me, what's really exciting is Web3 is about building community and Web3, in Web3, you're essentially building community as an end in itself. And you can directly monetize by creating value for that community and creating a reason for them to keep showing up for you. I always say Web3 rewards those who show up and Web3 rewards participation. And so as we think about that dynamic, it goes from being like a one-way street of exchange to being even beyond a two-way street of exchange. It's a whole roundabout where like communities are, are and where creators and their communities are actually creating value together, generating like offshoots, like, like you know, community created IP, all of these things that actually continue to drive value back to that core. Um, and it's an incredibly powerful dynamic because audience, you know, is aware that you exist. But community actually wants to see you win. And in Web3, community actually has a vested interest in seeing you do so. Often, they often have a financial stake in seeing you do so because they're invested in your, in, your, in your project. And so that's really powerful because that unlocks a different level of engagement, unlocks a different level of, um, of fandom and ambassadorship. Like you go from being a passive scroller in a feed to someone who actually wants to share 
NFT Now's content. And yeah. one of, and some of the things that we have coming, we're actually gonna be able to reward people for doing so, reward our community members. Um, it, it's the difference between being a, a fan and a uh, and a shareholder. It's the difference between being a supporter and an ambassador. And I think that uh, that's the real power. That's the real power that is unlocked and the potential that is unlocked by Web3 technology. And I think as the look, technology will always continue to develop and and you know impact how exactly um, the you know those business models are transacted and the like. But it's going to be those projects and those creators who successfully build community around what they're doing and consistently create value for that community that are going to that are going to have the retention that is necessary to succeed in Web three. That's true. But we also be uh, need to be careful that we don't paint too much of a rosy picture here because there is the fact that it does become overly fa- financialized. And the same community that can, can take you up, they can bring you down. We have seen it. You know, one of the things that I've noticed quite a lot is that sometimes, I, and I posted about this some time ago on my Twitter, I was like, you know, sometimes it feels like it's a little bit like dating, uh, you know, the, the relationship between the holders and, and the community. It's a bit like dating because everybody's very excited in the beginning and then it goes downhill, <laughs> you know, and and, uh, and it's impossible, uh, you know, to in, in a market where there are not many new people coming in, there are too many assets. It's just a simple, uh, you know, supply and demand, right? There are too many assets and not enough buyers. And therefore people are moving money from one project to another. And therefore every time there's a new project, there's a pump. And then um, afterwards the price comes comes down and it's constantly happening. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it, I remember in the bull market, um, every time there was a new project, people were, uh, you know, killing themselves to to mint because they knew that the price would go up. The mint price was always the the low price, and then after that, the the price would go up. But now, uh, you know, you can't mint uh, at anything like you, even the best projects. I know, and I won't name names, but even the best projects that um, you know, I, I'm looking at that are uh, you know really going out there, really marketing. They mint and then the price goes below the mint, you know, and I and I always think that the truth is that, um, first of all, I don't quite understand this idea of I buy this thing and I use that service or whatever it is, and I still want to make money on top of it as well. It's kind of like saying, you know, that I, I buy a membership to LinkedIn, you know, and I use it, you know, and, and I want the the price of my membership to also go up so that I also make money on it so 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 I still so I don't quite get that you know so there are so there are a lot of things that are not um quite worked out you know we need to work these things out because there is a we have to like you said earlier you know we're currently um uh, giving the name of NFT to everything. A membership is an NFT, an art is an NFT, you know, a collectible is an NFT. And therefore we are applying the same business model to all of them. And that doesn't work. There are, there are certain things that need recurring revenue. There are certain things that, um, you know, are more of a, um, a, you know, speculative asset. So, so let's, uh, so, so take me through your thinking around, the, that side of things as well. What what are your thoughts on uh, the fact that there are there is also 
a part of this that's not quite sustainable? Um, and, and what are some of the ways that you think we could um, overcome those? Yeah, look, I mean, I think it's just a natural part of any new technology. Like, you know, we've seen the speculative nature uh, in the the crypto world for a long time, right? Uh, it's only natural that with with this being so nascent, uh, that that there would be a, a lot of that here too. Um, and what what's interesting is, I, I think, as I said, as more people come into the space, as this space develops, as the markets mature. Um, as people realize that different categories have different consumer and creative priorities, um, the things will settle into place, right? Like the people, a lot of the people who are currently, uh, you know, active in the NFT space uh, in Web two and be, and before would have been in casinos, not in not in like Sotheby's buying fine art, right? And that's okay. There's there's room for that speculation. In fact, the flippers and the speculators, like they provide essential liquidity to the to the markets and the like. So like. You know, I don't, I don't talk down on them or anything. It's just they have a different, they have a different reason for being there. You know, mm -hmm. and I can tell you that from like my my own perspective, having just launched, uh, you know, going through the launch of of the Now Pass. You know, that's one of the things we made really clear is that the Now Network, which is, um, you know, the Now Pass is your access pass to the Now Network, and the Now Network is where, um, you know, we're building that foundation for the future of tokenized media, and that's where all the opportunities and the like come in. Um, the now network will be built over time, not overnight. We made that really clear, right? Um, we're thinking in terms of decades. It's not it's not short term thinking. We have a saying at NFT now: play long term uh, games with long term people. And so, you know, when when uh, when short term speculators exit the the, the community, they're on, they're on to the next opportunity. They're on to the next flip. That's okay. They're like we we wish them well, but we're not building for them, right? Yeah. We're building for the people who are the believers, the people who are rocking with us, bull or bear, boom or bust, and the like. And those are the communities, values based communities that are going to last. Um, because you, it's really easy to espouse community during a bull market when everything's rising. When but if the only thing that you're rallying around is number going up, you don't actually have anything to stand on once once the markets turn, and the markets always turn. It's never, you're never, like when you're up, you're never as high as you think you are. And when you're down, you're never as low as, you know, as, as you think you are. There's always, it's the, it's the, it's the nature of these cyclical markets. And so what's interesting there is, um, you know, I think one of the reasons now we're in a bear market right now, we're in a clear bear market right now. We suffered some major shocks to the system with FTX and, and all these things. And it shook out a lot of the bad actors. It shook out a lot of the, uh, you know, the scammers and the people there for the quick buck. But the people who are still trying to trade in a bear market, they like you said, there aren't a ton of new people coming in on the daily right now. So it's a lot of the same people passing around a lot of the same projects. It's like a game of hot potato. And mm -hmm. so when something mints and it goes up, there's like oh, usually a window. If that's when you're if you're trying to flip, that's that window. Obviously not financial advice. But like, you know, <laughs> I think that, you know, that's why we see projects that launch in the bear oftentimes dip below mint price eventually, just because there's there's a certain contingent who weren't in it for the long term at all. They were always looking for the quick flip and they're going to get their liquidity back one way or another because they need that liquidity to go try and make another. That's yeah. fine. That's a that's a natural part of these of the market. Is it ideal? No. I always say that like with NFTs, NFTs are they're almost like publicly traded startups, right? So like the floor price can, you know, like you know, imagine imagine that in in the in, you know if, if startups like if you could see their valuations on a on a real time updating you know board and all that and it was going twenty four seven and and all that I mean that's like you know it, it's 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 not always ideal when you when you need to put you know kind of hunker down and build and not be distracted but I think that 
we have seen the emergence of values-based communities. And values-based communities are the ones that are going to last. And there will always be a certain uh, element of like speculation that's just in the space, but it's the values-based communities that are going to have long-term legs. And so a lot of people ask us, they're like, why did you launch the now pass? Yeah, during, I, I was going to ask you that. I, that. That was exactly going to be my yeah. next question. So tell me more about the now pass and yes. why did you launch it? Yeah, so the now pass is... Uh, the access pass, the membership pass uh, to the NFT Now ecosystem, also called the Now Network. Um, and the Now Network is the foundation for all of our initiatives to pioneer a community-centric media model and uh, build the future of tokenized media. And so the Now Pass launched uh, a little under a month ago, March 23rd, I believe. Uh, we minted out uh, over the, the course of 48 hours, um, which is a great achievement um, you know, in the depths of a bear market. Uh, and um, we're really excited and really, uh, really happy about the community that's come together there. Um, and so uh, what one of the things people ask is like, why did we launch then? You know, they're like, oh, if you had, you know, if, if you had launched during a bull, you would have made more or like, blah, blah, blah. We're like, it's not about that. Think about this way. Remember, I talked about the difference between audience and community. I talked about the Web 2 model and the Web 3 model. As we apply the Web 3 model to media, which is something that we've thought long and hard about, we spent two years in this space building credibility, building trust, uplifting artistry before we ever launched our own NFT. Um, A, because we wanted to do something that's never been done in terms of uh, like an absolutely dynamic membership pass that has interactive generative art, like levels to the game, amazing dynamics and like evolution the like. And we also recognize that we would be super serving a community. You know, there are 2,750 now passes and we want to be able to show up and create value for everyone who holds one. And so if I'm going to be putting my blood, sweat, and tears into super serving a community, you better believe I want it to be the real ones. I want it to be the ones who believe in the future of the space. I want it to be the ones who believe in this technology. I want it to be the ones who have the faith in us and our vision for the long-term future of tokenized media that they're going to be able to weather the ups and downs. They're going to be able to you know, not panic when, uh, when, 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 the, when crypto drops and floor prices plummet and the like, um, that's the kind of community we want to build. And so I actually am very happy that we launched when we did, because I always say that the bear market is for builders during the bull market. There's a lot of shiny objects. There's a lot of noise, all that. The people who are still here showing up each and every day are the ones who really believe are the ones who are usually in this for the right reasons and the ones who are also building uh, all of the infrastructure that is going to power the future. And those are the people we want to serve uh, with, with the now network. And so there's some really, really exciting things. I mean, I can go, I can go deeper into some of the levels of, uh, of utility around the now network. Yes, please. And, yeah. Tell yes. me, tell me exactly what, what, what are people getting with that yes. um, pass and what happens on a day to day basis? hundred percent. So as we said, now network will be built uh, it, uh, over time, not overnight. Um, but essentially, like what we've really like come down to is this concept of being the signal and the noise. It's something that it's like an internal mantra that we say at NFT Now. The artwork, the generative artwork, which was created by our amazing CTO and creative director Aaron Baker, was actually um, inspired by that concept of being the signal and the noise. And fun, fun thing that we actually we can actually like 
beam messages into the metadata directly. Um, we do this from time to time. Um, and, and if you go on like nowpass.xyz, you can actually like get that message. And that's a message we can send to our community without having to uh, navigate any algorithms or centralized platforms and the like. And so that's a really like fun bit. But what the value prop and the, and the utility around the now network um, for which the now pass is the access pass too, um, is really around sharing that value of being that signal to noise with our community at large. So like, what does that mean? It means exclusive access to our events, both IRL and virtual. Um, and we actually just, we actually just um, did our first, uh, like first step in that regard. Um, as I mentioned it at, in New York, we have the NFT 100, which is our, um, flagship editorial franchise, you know, recognizing the hundred uh, most influential creators and community figures. Um, and we do the the gala at the Rainbow Room. Well, we had a special allotment of, of tickets to the gala uh, reserved for now pass holders. And uh, one of the things that we do is we like to reward participation. That's, that's a, you're going to find that that's a big theme when it comes to like building out these tokenized communities around media. And so we actually also opened up the nominations process. So to, in order to nominate candidates for the, uh, for the for the NFT 100, uh, we we had that process exclusively for NowPass holders, and so NowPass holders who nominated candidates could also indicate whether they would be in town or in New York uh, during on that date, and whether they were interested in coming. And then we uh, you know we we were able to select a you know a, a fortunate group of of NowPass holders to to attend what is like you know one of the most special events that we do. Um, and we also did a NowPass community event the next day to make sure that everyone from our community had a chance to get together and uh, and share in that value and and all that and and and, and experience that. So events are, are a big side of it. And we obviously we do a lot of big events. We had um, the Gateway is like our flagship. Um, it was a five day Web three Arts and Culture Festival we did during Miami Basel uh, in December. And uh, there's actually a lot of international interest around bringing the the gateway uh, elsewhere. And so we we took over, but this one was this was a big undertaking. We took over two city blocks, twelve buildings, turned the historic Dupont Bank building into a massive audiovisual gallery. Um, had some of the leading speakers and and performers. And so we're continually to really like bridge the gap between the URL and IRL for community. And all now pass holders will always get the like white glove treatment, you know, the exclusive access there. Um, we're also building out uh, a lot of exclusive content. So like now pass holders will get a first a first look at information and insights that they won't be able to find anywhere else. These can be like data, like data deep dives, data reports, uh, in like insights and analysis. Um, the alpha, if you if you know if you know what I mean, like, and so that's going to be really special. Um, we're building out a whole membership portal where uh, where now pass holders and and are going to be able to access there. Um, then stuff like you know, obviously, we're going to leverage our relationships in the space um, to you know be able to to offer like signups for allow lists and things like that, and different projects and participation in projects that we think are worthwhile. But where it really gets exciting is where we start to talk about how we can empower our community to co-create content with us and to co and to be co-creators in the stories that are being told. So one thing that I think is, is really exciting is involving uh, the NowPass holders in the selection process or the nomination process for the NF200 is just the beginning. Um, so we are gonna be transitioning a number of our most popular content series um, to community curated, token curated registries, the TCR model with on-chain voting. Um, the one that, that, that I think is first, first in line that we're really excited about is next up. And so next up is a, is a series that's really close to my heart. Um, it's, uh, it, 
it, you know, we actually, at the end of 2021, we did something that very few Web2 media companies do. We asked our community what we could be doing better. And we heard it loud and clear. People were like, hey, you guys do a great job of covering established artists, but rising artists need love too. And so we launched Next Up in uh, January uh, of 2022, uh, showcasing 22 rising artists uh, to keep an eye on. And it's funny, if you look at the names now, you're like, these aren't rising artists. It's Diana Sinclair and Drift and Alpha Centauri Kid. And like, but they were back then. And uh, it's amazing when we look at what each of the artists we chose in that inaugural one uh, have gone on to do. And so we actually turned it into a monthly series where we select five artists every month. But right now, it's a pretty centralized process for doing so, right? Like, I meet with the editorial team, we put together candidates, we weigh different factors, and we come up with five uh, creators that we want to showcase. But ultimately, we didn't get into this space to be the new gatekeepers. Web3 is all about bypassing traditional gatekeeping and hierarchies that have existed in Web2. So we want to open that up to the community, where the community is going to be able to put forward the artist, community is going to be able to vote in like those on-chain on voting and the like, and critically, the community will be rewarded for doing so. So one of the things that's going to drive the Now Network is, and within this membership portal and the like, is you're actually going to be able to earn experience points, like XP points, um, in 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 uh, in response to engaging with our content, sharing our content, contributing to NFT Now, participating in these different like community curated content series and the like. And then you'll be able to exchange those XP points for different rewards. We're looking at, at systems like Amex, like Delta Sky Miles, how they have been able to leverage their standing across many different categories, many different uh, verticals and many different disciplines to create consistent value for uh, their members. And so we're gonna be doing that operating from a Web3 Media perspective. And uh, there's some really exciting partnerships and uh, and uh, like initiatives in the works there. Um, and then finally, like, you know, I mean, there's actually a lot more, but what I can speak to, uh, Aaron, uh, who's, who I mentioned, you know, did all the artwork and, and uh, you know, is our CTO, he's building out within this membership portal, these different specialized products to help different segments uh, succeed in Web3. So one thing we also recognize is that we have amazing creators in our community. We have amazing builders in our community. We have founders, we have collectors, we have traders, we have DGENs. You know, we've got, we've got, we've got people from big brands who are interested in how does my brand get in here? We got, we have these different segments. And while it's still all one community, we recognize that success in Web3 doesn't meet, doesn't always look the same to everyone. And we have an amazing network at play where we're going to be able to, for example, you know, connect the dots to empower creators who hold the now pass to, you know, to be able to be in line for amazing opportunities, whether it's with the major auction houses that we work with or, you know, big brand partnerships or the like, we're going to be able to provide resources for builders. We're going to be able to give timely information for collectors, you know, and, and traders. And so, it, we start to build out these sort of different areas where you can almost like choose your own adventure within the now network. And, um, and we know a lot of people wear multiple hats. So it's not like, it's not like an either or, you know? Um, so there's a lot, there's some really exciting things. I think what we're also looking at, which is really exciting to me is as we think about tokenized media, there's the tokenization of media and then there's the tokenization of communities around media. Right. And so as we think about also the tokenization of media, like we're gonna, we're, we're always looking to, um, what can we do with big content moments, with big content partnerships, with big stories, big features, big, you know, big, 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 big releases um, that can also be tokenized and used to reward our community, 
you know? Like I think about, for example, uh, a digital cover story where that cover is a one-of-one -one artwork by the artist we're featuring. And maybe we tokenize that and, and, uh, and, and auction that off with revenue share. But what we can also do is maybe we have all the blueprints for that piece of work you know, all the, all the like behind the scenes stuff, maybe the early schematics stuff, we tokenize all that and airdrop that to the now pass holders, you know? And so like having the now pass holders continually be rewarded through some of the amazing like initiatives that we're doing with both artists and big projects in the space. And so there's a lot of exciting stuff in the works there at the intersection there. And then, you know, I, I also just want to mention it while we're on the topic of tokenized media. Um, we also see the element, a, a really important element like we talked about skating to where the puck is going. We saw a really important element around tokenizing media uh, for the on-chain provenance, for being able to know that this came from a trusted source. One thing that we saw, we, we'd been saying that it was going to happen for a long time. When, when those AI-generated photos of Trump being arrested went viral and many people thought that they were real, that, that is an indicator of, of, uh, of what's to come. Uh, because AI is not is not going to be it's never going to be more crude and unsophisticated than it is right now. It is only going to get better. It is only going to get more realistic. And the deep fakes, the, the misinformation, the disinformation uh, that's going to be possible with it is only going to get more sophisticated and believable. And so there's another element to building the future of tokenized media, which is also tokenizing media so that you know where it came from. You're able to see that on-chain provenance. You're able to say, did this come from a trusted source? Did this come from a trusted outlet? Did like who created this? Which is going to be incredibly important. So right. there's a lot more, a lot more to dive into, um, and and a ton more in terms of what we have planned for the for the NowPass community. That's very exciting. Thank you so much for sharing all that. I think um, you know, we covered uh we covered quite a lot. And uh I just have to get more involved and and learn more uh, for myself. I look forward to having you on the platform, you know, learning more and uh, uh, just following your journey. Thank you so much. It's been it's been a pleasure talking with you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Matt Medved. Be sure to follow NFT now on Twitter and explore their growing ecosystem. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give the five-star rating and write a review. The full interviews are also available on my YouTube channel, The Somi Ariane Show. <laughs>